You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is going to be diving into PMS and more specifically PMDD, which PMDD is essentially like PMS on steroids. PMS stands for premenstrual syndrome. It's the five to seven days before your period where we're just feeling those mood swings, cravings, bloating, breast tenderness, just general misery, which 75% of the female population is estimated to have PMS, which is wild. And a subset of that is PMDD. However, 75% of females during their monthly cycle, experience these symptoms. And the good news is that you don't have to. About three to 8% of the population experiences this more severe aspect of PMS, which is PMDD. So this is typically diagnosed or classified is a little bit more extreme, especially when it comes to more of the mood symptoms that we can get before our period, depression, hopelessness, uh, feelings of low self-worth, anger, and it can really come in bursts. You can feel anxiety, irritable, fearfulness, complete overwhelm, lack of interest in usual activities, and obviously on a more severe note, suicidal thoughts. You also can feel insomnia, extreme fatigue, food cravings that can lead to binging, breast tenderness, headache, migraines, general lack of energy, joint pain, weight gain, trouble concentrating, cramps, and bloating. So obviously that's a lot. That's a lot of symptoms. And I'm sure out of all of that, you're like, okay, yeah, I probably feel those things. And sometimes I feel those symptoms worse at other times of the month than others, or some months are worse than others. And that's also totally normal, normal in quotes, (laughs) because ideally we don't want to be feeling these symptoms at all. I think if you get anything from my platform, my podcast, what I preach is that common doesn't mean normal. And so for the three-fourths of the population who is cycling, it is not normal to feel like absolute crap five to seven days before your period or on your period. It is definitely more in the normal range to, you know, not feel as quite outgoing or feel like you want to tackle all the things, maybe be a little bit more inward, be a little bit more working on your sleep because maybe we don't get quite as good sleep during that luteal phase, but it shouldn't be full-blown insomnia. So it's definitely on a spectrum. It's, we are cycling on a monthly basis. So it's normal to not as, not feel quite as energetic as you do, you know, right after your period. I even feel it right on my period. I'm like, I could tackle the world. I'm getting all my projects done. I'm so motivated. Whereas in my luteal phase, which is actually when I'm recording this, I was like, you know, I could sit down and wrap myself up into a blanket a little bit more. Like I just, I, my sleep definitely isn't as good. I'm tracking my sleep with my, um, temp drop, which is what I replaced the Ava band with. Honestly, I was going to get another Ava band and I was like, let me try out the temp drop because I want to always have something to speak on. And I chose to do the temp drop because it's a little bit better of a price point. And I think the data that's in there is a little bit better. I think it gives a little bit more insight. I like that it's a little bit more in-depth for sleep tracking. So that's what I've been using. But I mean, my sleep definitely hasn't been as great. It's not insomnia. I'm definitely toss- tossing and turning a little bit more. But if we think about the energetic needs throughout our cycle, the beginning of your cycle, your hormones are a little bit lower. Right after your period is when your hormones 
right at your period is kind of when they're at their lowest point. So it's normal to feel a little bit more tired. And then as you start to build up that estrogen in the first half of your cycle, no wonder we feel amazing. Your skin's glowing. You can crush your workouts. You're feeling great. Second half of the cycle comes and that's ideally where we should be having that progesterone production, which is going to help with that anxiety piece a little bit more. But with that luteal phase can definitely come a lot more inflammation, especially if there's imbalances between the estrogen and progesterone. So that's really where we get into trouble with these symptoms. First half of the cycle, everybody's feeling great. Every, usually. <laughs> Second half of the cycle is definitely where we can run into more of these problems because are you ovulating? If you're not ovulating, you're not making progesterone, then you're estrogen dominant. And that's where we lead into PMS, PMDD. So I'm not a diagnosis chaser. I know a lot of people love to have a diagnosis. They want to do testing. They want to get a diagnosis because that's just the Western world that we live. Whereas I look at imbalances like, yeah, we could put these acronyms and letters on things, PMDD, PMS, whatever the diagnosis is, endometriosis, hypothyroidism, we, we put a, di we love to put a diagnosis and a title on things. However, that's just part of the problem. What's, what is at the root of all of this? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So you can go out and you can get a formal diagnosis of all of these things. Usually they'll make you get, you have to have at least five of the 11 symptoms, so the 11 symptoms being marked, uh, depressed mood, feelings of hopelessness, marked anxiety, tension, feelings of being keyed up or on the edge, uh, feelings of liability, persistent and marked anger, decreased interest in usual activities, work, school, friends, um, subject sense of difficulty in concentrating lethargy, easy, fatigued, significantly change in energy, uh, mark change in appetite, overeating, or specific food cravings, which that's also a gut and parasite thing as well. So, but this is just the Western formal diagnosis, hyperinsomnia or insomnia, a subjective change in feeling overwhelmed or out of control. Um, and then other symptoms like breasts. And then the, the, the 11th one being breast tenderness, swelling, headaches, joint muscle pain, bloating, weight gain. It's like so much stuff. Western medicine just loves to compartmentalize things, which there's nothing wrong with. And there's nothing wrong with getting a diagnosis because you kind of want, I feel like a lot of people feel like that helps get them the next step, which yes, it can, but you also can understand and just learn about your body and what kind of these root causes are, which we're going to be talking about today. So like I mentioned, PMS and PMDD kind of go hand in hand, but PMDD is definitely more, um, mood based, but they are both based and rooted in inflammation and high levels of circulating estrogen throughout the body. So I've talked previously, it's not just estrogen is a great hormone. We love estrogen. We, in the, and even like the more natural functional route, give estrogen such a bad rap because we're like, it causes cancer. It causes inflammation. It causes estrogen dominance. It does. It can, but estrogen is still such a great hormone. So it's not just about clearing it out and just getting rid of it and moving on about your day. It is, it is about finding a balance because estrogen is very protective for your bones, your uh, skin, I mean, feelings of mood, right? Like that's a huge reason why your mood crashes a few days before your cycle is because estrogen, if it's super high and it plummets, you're going to notice it. So it's all about a balancing act with everything. I mean, too high of progesterone is not good either. I'm going and seeing an acupuncturist right now and she specializes in hormones. I have too high of estrogen, which I confirmed to the Dutch test, but she told me without even me telling her that that is the root cause of my hormonal cystic or hormonal driven acne, which is interesting because it, I only get it in the second half of my cycle. 
my estrogen isn't as high, which it has been in the past. So it's something I'm monitoring, but it's, I, I say that so that it's not just estrogen is the bad guy. It is about having a balance between the two because in the second half of our cycle, we are very much pro we're just so so prone to just more inflammation especially when these things are not in balance with each other okay so um talking about estrogen another that kind of incorporating that into this balance is progesterone because progesterone is really how our body is able to get that nurturing anti-anxiety throughout that second half of the cycle. And that's through GABA because progesterone really helps support GABA production, which if you're not making adequate progesterone, you're not going to get a lot of GABA production. So estrogen just stays high. Therefore it's leading to a little bit more of that anxiety. Okay. Histamine intolerance is another huge thing. Um, so usually when we think of histamines, we think of like allergic reactions, but histamine is a huge driver of inflammation, um, especially for more estrogen type driven situations i.e. PMS and PMDD. So histamine is a big one, especially if you're getting things like headaches or migraines around ovulation or before your period, you're getting painful periods, uh, painful breasts, itching or skin aggravation, or like swelling in certain parts of your body. Um, redness, it just kind of hops up out of nowhere. So that's just, I would say something that you really want to just point out. I mean, histamine isn't horrible, but if you're eating a lot of histamine, foods, which can be a lot of really great foods, uh, fermented foods, bone broths, things like that. Leftovers. Like if you're a meal prepper and you are going on five or six days of a meal prep, like that could, that food could have a lot of histamine and you might do fine with it in the first half of your cycle. But the second half of your cycle, you're like, I don't know what it is. I'm not changing anything. I'm not doing anything different. It simply could be because your body's just so much more sensitive to histamine. So you can try limiting those things, limiting the histamines, especially in the second half of your cycle and see how your body does, see how your body reacts. Cause the histamines are, ju could just be increasing that inflammation a little bit more. I did talk about how in that luteal phase, we are just so much more prone to inflammation. Um, there's just so much more pro-inflammatory molecules being released. Your body is either preparing for pregnancy or preparing for a baby. So there's a lot of immune stuff going on as well. Um, you can tell there's a lot of pro-inflammatory stuff going on because if you ever have maybe like loose stools a few days leading up to your periods, your body's just increasing the amount of prostaglandins that it's producing. So prostaglandins are an inflammatory molecule. It's normal to have a little bit looser stool before your period comes because that just kind of is showing that little inflammatory cascade. Now, inflammation to a point where it's you know, you're not looking six months pregnant because of bloating. You aren't having like crazy acne breakouts that are incredibly inflammatory. Like that's obviously not normal, but there's, like I said, there's that spectrum. So it's a little bit normal to have a little bit looser stools, a little bit normal to feel the tiredness. Um, and you, and, and that's why in the second half of the cycle, a lot of those anti-inflammatory foods, ginger, turmeric, all of those things are going to be very, very beneficial for just preventing that inflammation from getting out of hand. So you can just make sure you're including those into your diet and lifestyle throughout that part of the cycle. So what are some things that we can do on a more holistic and natural side to make sure that we are treating kind of the root causes for PMS and PMDD? Well, we talked about it's an, it's a usually an estrogen dominant issue. So you're not making progesterone. So why aren't you making progesterone? There's definitely 
cortisol is a big thing. So are you managing your stress? Like are, are you over exercising? Are you under eating? I see this so much in my practice, people not eating enough fats, please eat fats, <laughs> please eat your fats. 40 grams is not enough fat to eat. If you are cycling, I don't think that's enough for anybody. Everybody should eat more than 40 grams in my opinion, but please eat enough, especially eat enough fat, protein and balanced meals. Um, because if you are not, your body can respond in certain ways. Maybe you don't ovulate or you just ovulate, but you don't make enough progesterone. So managing your stress is a huge thing. It's, I think one of the most important. So find, put boundaries in your life, do whatever you need to do to really help manage that stress. Cause that's just naturally going to help support that progesterone production. Um, another, other kind of forms of stressors on your body, especially second half of the cycle that we want to be looking at is balancing your blood sugar. Cause that could be another reason that we're having cravings is if your balance, if your blood sugar isn't balanced, you are going to be ravenous and in your pantry, just craving everything. Um, I did mention that I see that a lot with parasites. So we just worked through a full moon cleanse in my membership last month, but you can work through it whenever, whether you choose to do it as a group or not. However, um, I see a lot of people's PMS symptoms improve by cleansing. Um, cause detoxification is something that we're going to talk about. Um, but blood sugar, got to get back on track. Blood sugar. I talked about how that was that could deal with parasites because it totally can. Um, especially it's hard to pinpoint when your luteal phase kind of pairs up with a full moon like mine does. So like I ovulate during a full moon. So it's like, wow, where are these symptoms coming from? This is tricky. So, um, that can definitely make it harder, but imbalanced blood sugar creates a ton of inflammation, tons and tons and tons of inflammation and progesterone in itself does make us a little bit more insulin resistant. So the second half of our cycle, it is important to include there's so many great carbohydrates you want to include like sweet potatoes, green bananas, squashes, all of those are really, really great and nurturing for that progesterone. But you want to make sure you're always, 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 especially in this part of the cycle, really focusing on balanced meals and balanced blood sugar, because although we want to have some of those carbs to really help boost that progesterone production, we are a little bit more insulin resistant in this part of the cycle. So if you feel like your blood sugar is not properly managed, you're going to feel a lot more inflamed, a lot more bloated, a lot more irritable. Um, so the blood sugar balancing really goes far with this. Um, I talked about reducing inflammation, um, gut health and histamine definitely go hand in hand. So, um, I see gut health and liver health really at the root of almost all hormone stuff. So yes, it's an estrogen issue, but why is your estrogen why is it high in terms of circulation? Is it because you are around a lot of endocrine disrupting products? I hope not. I hope if you're listening to this product podcast, you're looking at really how can I avoid fragrances? How can I avoid plastics and BPAs and all of these things and whatnot? So, okay, if you're doing a great job avoiding those, awesome. If you're new to the podcast and you're looking to avoid those, I commend you. And that's amazing. But if it's if it, okay, you're like, I'm doing all those things. I don't have any environmental estrogens in my life. I'm not exposed to them at work. I really do a good job about avoiding them. Then awesome. Then it's gotta be an internal thing. Your liver is probably a little sluggish and stagnant. It's not detoxing them properly. That's something that we can look at on a Dutch test, but part three or phase three of estrogen detox is through the stool. So if you're constipated, you're for sure probably going to be estrogen dominant, but then people are like, well, after, you know, a week before my period, I do feel more constipated. <laughs> that is a double-edged sword because progesterone can make us feel that way. Progesterone's great. It's a great hormone, 
but it can cause some of these things second half of the cycle. So that's why stress management is really important. High fiber that works for you is really important. I tell people to up their magnesium during this time of the cycle because our body's just under more stress. We need more magnesium. So you can do that to just make sure that you're having a regular bowel movement every day. You can refer to the, uh, the podcast I did on constipation. That would be really helpful because I do talk about cyclic constipation in there as well. Um, okay. So liver support is also really, really, really important. I mean, every, and we can all be doing liver support on a daily basis, kind of daily detox practices, castor oil packs, dry brushing, herbal teas, like dandelion, burdock, green tea, liver, liver helping foods like cruciferous, leafy greens, liver, bone broth, eggs, all of those are really great liver supporting foods and things we can do on a daily basis. If you are experiencing something like PMS or PMDD, you're, you might need a little bit more heavy hitting in terms of liver supporting herbs or liver supporting protocols or gut supporting protocols just to really kind of get things moving and then move into more of a maintenance. Um, you can take, um, like I mentioned, you can take a lot of those foods and stuff, but it might for you, if this is something you're suffering and dealing with, it might be worth it to do a little bit more heavy hitting things. Um, in terms of supplements, you can look out for things like vitamin C and quercetin because those kind of help tackle more of the histamine based inflammation that you can get with this. Uh, magnesium and B6 are great for helping to boost progesterone levels. I mean, magnesium in itself is just one of the best herbs you can herbs. It's not an herb. It's a vitamin mineral technically. Um, Epsom salt baths are great. So if you're not doing Epsom salt baths, it's a great way to one, boost your sleep. I have someone that I'm working with. She's a patient in the office and she is really, she was really struggling to get sleep. Just a lot of anxiety and feelings of like high emotions around nighttime. And we got her doing Epsom salt baths. And she noticed that when she did it, she slept a lot harder. She didn't wake up. She wasn't tossing and turning. So, I mean, that's a great nighttime practice. I know a lot of people are always like, I don't have a sauna. Like I wish I had a sauna. If you have a bath, I mean, you can really, I love my sauna too, but I mean, nothing beats it's free, cheap, and easy for the most part. I mean, Epsom salts, I get a big bag of it on Amazon for $30 and it lasts us for a long time. Maybe I'll put some essential oils in there. I'll do some meditation. It's great. Um, that's so you, cause you can get magnesium topically. You can, you can absorb it through the bath. You can take it internally in like a glycinated form. Um, if you're more prone to the constipation during that time, obviously citrate's a better form. B6 is good because B6 is really helpful for progesterone. It's really helpful for PMS type symptoms. So you can get B6 naturally in your foods through really, really abundant in meats and organs. Uh, bone broth has some eggs have some, or you can take a B6 supplement, especially if you're kind of, kind of looking to do everything that you possibly can. Of course, none of this is medical advice. This is just kind of generalized education. Please talk to your practitioner before going on anything, um, or work with somebody if you are really struggling and you want something that's more specific to you. I mean, by all means, please try out these things, but it's not going to hurt for you to work with someone to really give you a personalized look. I mean, maybe it's a good idea to do some more in-depth hormone testing, like a Dutch test or a stool test to find what is going on. Is there an underlying root cause for all of this? What does my estrogen detox look like? What does my liver pathways look like? Those are all really, really good things to look at. Um, but this is hopefully a good place for you guys to start in terms of 
really tackling and addressing this. I hope that you learned a lot. Um, and I want to thank you for being here. And if there's anything I could do to help support along your journey, please feel free to reach out and I will see you here next week. Woo!